You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. Today, we're talking about involving your family in your recovery journey. My guest today is Andrea Lee, a licensed clinical therapist at Valley View Recovery Center. It's a men's residential treatment center in Cannon Falls, Minneapolis. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thank you very much. I'm so glad to have you on. We're in the holiday season. A lot of people are listening to this in the recovery journey, Andrea, and they're saying, oh man, they're having a little dread Family time, family time. And as joyous as family is, and as exciting as the holidays can be to reconnect with people, it does it does involve a little bit of issues sometimes for people that are in that recovery journey. It, it certainly does. I think families can trigger past trauma. Families can make us feel like children. Families can do a lot of things that make recovery really difficult. So... Can you explain a little bit as a therapist why the family involvement is important in somebody's recovery journey, especially during the holiday season? And then we'll go into some of the pitfalls also that that connection might, might cause. Right. I think isolation is the opposite of recovery, right? And so we need people in our life who are going to support us, who are going to meet us where we're at and love us where we're at. And at the holidays, loneliness is a big trigger as well. So being with family can be really important. Family can also be a trigger. You know, let's dive into a little bit of that loneliness. You know, you're in a, you know, you're dealing with men primarily in, Mm -hmm. in, in your facility. You were, we were talking earlier about how it's very difficult that anybody would maybe get to that level where they're in treatment at the level that you're providing them that hasn't had some sort of trauma. And most of that trauma, right, is linked within that family or or kind of in that framework. Can you dive into that a little bit? Because I I find that interesting, um, that family plays such a huge part of somebody's recovery and also their addiction. Right. Um, We are learning more and more how childhood trauma, and it isn't just abuse, it's maybe emotional neglect, right? Just not being there or not meeting you where you're at when you're a child and meeting your needs can continue to impact us as adults. And often is the pain that causes the addiction triggers the addiction, right? And so we need to try and heal from that trauma And be with our families if our families are safe for us. And know also, though, that even if they're safe for us, there can be triggers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about those triggers a little bit. You know, I think most of, especially early recovery, when you go through a holiday season, is trying to mitigate those and kind of diminish those a little bit so that they're not so relapse. They don't have that relapse potential. Can we dive into some of the triggers that somebody might experience especially in early recovery with with their family in the holidays? I think when families, especially when families are noticing you're in early recovery and maybe you've been in recovery a few times before, they might tend to treat you as less than an adult. They might tell you the things they need you that you need to do and you're not part of the decision. You know, you need to get a job. You need to live on your own. You need to, you know, because they're not used to you being able to function at the level you're functioning at now, they might start to treat you like you're less than an adult, which can be very triggering because all you want is for them to start to respect you where you're at. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, these expectations. I think expectations are a huge trigger. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I think oversharing, you know, we, we've we had episodes on this, Andrea, where, you know, what, what happens is, is that people go in and they decide, you know, and I've worked with people and sponsored people in the past in 12-step groups and coach people who say, ah, oh, you know, I've been sober now for, let's see, 23 days and Christmas is going to be on the 28th day. And I'm just going to have it out with my family right, you know, right there at, at turkey dinner or something. And I'm like, right. no, like Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's and Thanksgiving. These are times that you just go, you're there to socialize yep. with your family. It's not an intervention, no. No. A, some sort of amends process. That's not what the holidays are designed for. Right. You just need to go. And I think it's really important that if you're in early recovery, you figure out what your boundaries need to be. How long can I stay there before I feel uncomfortable? What are the things that make it so that I know I need to leave if I'm being triggered, if a relapse is being triggered? Do I need to put some boundaries in place before I get there? Do I need to say, I'm really excited to see all you guys, but this topic is off the table. I'm not going to talk about that. And that could be your recovery. That could be things that happened last year at the holidays. That could be a lot of different things, right? Your relationship, your job status, but you can say, I really am excited to see you guys and I'm not going to talk about X. Yeah. I think I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to set boundaries. And I think there's so much misinterpretation and, and really bad information about addiction. You know, we, we were just talking about this on a previous show that so many people think that addiction is some sort of character defect. Yes. Right. It's some sort of moral failing. And, you know, when we're talking about family, I know my family had alcoholism is in it. I, in some ways, genetically inherited the predisposition yes. to alcoholism. Now, I furthered that along by decisions. You know, I'm aware right. of that. But but really, I was kind of uh, pre-designed to kind of have some of those experiences, especially without the education. Now, a lot of right. people have this education. How do you deal with people in your family that just don't get it. And you know, you've heard this. I'm sure you've heard this yes. from your from your patients and clients that yes. they just they just don't understand. They just think, well, you know what? You spent five years drinking, you didn't go to you dropped out of school, you didn't do this, you lost a job, you died, you right. broke up your family. It's just you're just a loser. You're a screw up. Yeah. And and that's obviously, you know, that's not true. And there are going to be family members, maybe especially older family members who are old fashioned and in the just quit era of, you know, but I think it's important, first of all, for you to know that if you could have just quit, obviously you would have just quit because you've been through hell and you wouldn't have gone through that if you could just quit. And so then you can either have that be your boundary. I'm not going to talk about this with you. Yeah, or, you know it's crazy. Isn't it crazy though that like people think that oh, they're getting something out of this. Like it addiction. I was telling I was telling a friend the other day who is a total like normie. I hate that word, but yeah. he's a total normie. I'm like, oh dude, no one would pick this. Like, this no. isn't like an optimal lifestyle. Even for people no. who don't know any better, it's not an optimal lifestyle. It's no, it's not. And I, you know, I remind people there wasn't a sign up sheet in middle school for, you know, band, choir, 
play addiction sport, you know, and you weren't like, well, addiction, that sounds like, you know, that's just not what happened. So whatever happened you were using and it got you right. But lots of people use it. It doesn't get them. And so I think the person with addiction, especially in early recovery needs to be really solid on that information before they interact with people that don't understand it so that it doesn't tear them down. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, absolutely. Oh, go ahead. And then, and then we need to meet those people where we're at. And if they, and if they start saying things like that, it's okay to say, you know, this just isn't up for conversation today. It's the holidays. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I love that. This circular thing. And, you know, and I have done that. I know in early recovery, which is, I would bring it back. Isn't it so great that we're all together? Is this yeah. so great that I was able to come? Is this so great that you were able to come? I would keep exactly. bringing it back, right? Yeah. There's always going to be that family member who's going to mm-hmm. press you a little bit. Oh, so you don't yeah. drink? You really don't drink? What's that about? You know, right. can we talk, can we dive into it? You, you, you spoke about this a little bit about boundaries, which bleeds into codependency. You know, we yes. always say on the Recovered Life show, we've never met a great alcoholic who hasn't had a great codependent in their life. Mm-hmm. Families that, that, that have alcoholism tend yes. to also have people who are codependents that aren't alcoholics, mm-hmm. but they're right. addicted to changing people. They're addicted to control. Yes. Can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think most people, that's really what they're facing. It's not even the risk of drinking or using right. drugs as much as it is. I'm going to deal with somebody else's codependency addiction. Yep. I think, first of all, you need to really recognize who in your family has that tendency, right? And so you need to kind of look at your family and say, okay, who are my, who are my dangerous people? Is it my mom? Is it my dad? Is it grandma? Who is it? And then you need to think about whether you have an ally in the family that can kind of help you get away from that person if it's not good, right? You need to make sure that you're talking with your support people before you go and maybe again after you go. And I think the first holiday, when you're newly sober, you really need to be aware of how long you can be there. I like, love that. Can you I be there that. the whole time? Or do you need to, you know, I don't have codependency in my family. I have other issues, but we leave our dogs home. So when it's time to leave, we have to go let the dogs out, right? I mean, it's okay to have those sorts of things set up so that when it's uncomfortable, it's time to go. I like that. I like that. Setting up a a framework, you know, um, I, I think the unknown is the scary part, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, and you don't you know if with, it's going to be okay. Yeah, you don't. You don't know, especially in early recovery. Like, it's interesting. You were talking about boundaries. I know after several decades of doing this, right, after three decades of three mm-hmm. decades of sober Christmases, the boundaries are kind of set up. I know how to escape. I already I already kind of know. I have a playbook, right? And that's something I've been working on, actually, is just this takeaway playbook because you have to know the plays. It's like football. If you don't yes. know the plays and somebody hands you the ball or somebody hands you, you right. know, marijuana or a drink or whatever and you don't know how to you you don't know how to get out of that situation. Yeah. You're stuck. What what are some of the what are some of the kind of bookends of the schedule? How do you uh assemble a schedule for a holiday event? Can you go over that a little bit? Well, I think you look at like what are the needs of the you know, like when's dinner? 
Because if you're, you probably need to be there for dinner unless everybody is going to be handing you drinks to do a toast, right? And so if dinner is a problem, then you skip dinner and you say, you know, I'm not going to be able to eat here, but I want to be here for this. So you really, you look at what the traditional event entails and you think about, is there a must be there for, right? And is that going to be a trigger or not? And then you look at, you know, maybe I could just go for dinner, eat and leave. Maybe I could just go for presents and then go, right? Thinking about strategically what the problems are. I mean, there are a lot of people who are addicted to drugs and people don't understand that they won't drink, right? And so you've got grandpa there, you go, you want a beer, you know? And so there's a lot of that. And I think it can be really overwhelming for anybody to be with their family for the holidays. And then when you throw in an addiction, it's extra. So you just look at like, can I go at the beginning and leave early and say, I have another place to be? Can I go in the middle? You know, just really thinking about what's the event, what does it entail, and which piece can you be there for, if if any? I remember in, in the first five years of recovery, um, we would have multiple day family events. Andrea, mm-hmm. and, w- and one of the days I remember in the afternoon said, hey, I got to leave. And they're like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to a meeting. And they were shocked. And like, I had built my meetings into the recovery events. And I was like, hey, I can't be here at one. And I can't, you know, and my sister and nieces and nephews, they all had things to do with their friends, right? So I was like, you know what? I have to build in my own self-care because they don't understand. It's not their responsibility to make sure I'm okay. And especially if you're traveling, Mm -hmm. right? you know, um, can we talk about the environment a little bit? Because I think that that, for me, was one of the big things. I was going to go to a, a house that had alcohol. I had been a year without alcohol mm-hmm. in, in my house. And, you know, and cravings and all of that, you know, crazy stuff that happens in early recovery. Your impulse control isn't always the best. How can you set up your environment in a win-win situation when you're traveling for the holidays? I think you find out where the meetings are, right? You need to know where the meetings are and when the meetings are before you go so that you can build that in. But also so that if you're having a hard time, you know, well, there's a meeting in a half an hour. I wasn't planning on going to it, but I guess I'm going to, right? You go for walks. You walk away for a while. If you are staying there, you go up to your room and you take a break. You figure out who your allies are and you use those allies. You get on your phone and you call your support people, right? And I am always one that says, if it's a days long event, before you even go into it, you decide if that days long event is too much for you. And you say, I can be there for two days, but not five. I can be there for one day, but not, you know, you really think about being really honest with yourself, how much you think you can handle. And then if it winds up being less than that, it winds up being less than that because ultimately your sobriety is your life. And so if you you don't have that, you don't have anything. Right. And you're not going to be able to go to these family events and enjoy them if you're not, if you're using again. So you really need to be clear with yourself that your sobriety comes before anything. I think we get pressured a lot in this culture that we must want to be with our families. And sometimes we don't, right? Or sometimes we can't. And it's not that you're a bad son or a bad brother or a bad grandson if you can't, or a bad granddaughter if you can't be there for five days. It's that you're taking care of your health. You know, let's dive into that a little bit because as a therapist, 
you know, I'd like you to be really honest about this because I know there's always this pat answer that, you know, hey, there's always resolution with everybody all the time. You know, as I've kind of grown up a lot, I've realized that, you know what, sometimes that's not the case. You know, I, I have had people in my life that I've had to say, you know what, that's it. Like, it's just for me, it's not going to work. It's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, even if I do stay sober around this person, I'm not going to live my best recovered life around this person. It's just, it's not going to work. When are times, Andrea, when you just have to say, I can't do it right now. I know you've had those clients where it's just like, you know what? This is just really not going to be, not not only is it not going to be enjoyable, super dangerous, and it's just not a good idea. When, when are those times? When you've laid a boundary again and again, and they can, and they keep crossing that boundary. When there's been abuse in the past, and it hasn't been resolved, and you don't feel that you're emotionally or physically safe with that person. When um, they continue to do the thing that was abusive when they can't stop enabling you, right? You really need to think about whether you can be around this person right now. And I am a big believer in today, I can't be with this person. That doesn't mean I'll never be able to be with this person, but today I can't be with this person. And maybe that'll be for 10 years, or maybe that'll be for the rest of my life, or maybe that'll be for a week. But today I can't be with that person. It's not good for me today. I love that. I love that. You know, final thoughts here. If anybody's sitting listening to this and saying, you know, maybe it's their first Christmas or holiday season sober, and they're like, well, that's it for me. I'm never going to be able to enjoy holidays ever again. I probably am not going to be able to ever see my family ever again in the same way. What would be your message to them? A lot of times, especially if you started using really young, it's really hard to believe that you can enjoy life sober. But there is so much fun to be had in a sober way. I mean, you can have so much more fun because you're really present, because you're really with people, because you can really connect to people, right? And so you really start to notice those connections that feel more genuine now. And um, you try and make as many boundaries as you can and spend less time with the people that trigger you and more time with the people that make you feel good, which is what we should all be doing anyway. We want people around us that accept us as we are and make us feel good, right? So look for those people and start to connect with them. I love it. That is what the holidays is all about after all, right? Right. Yeah. Well, wishing everybody a sober holiday season. Andrea Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're going to put links on how you can get in touch with Andrea and uh, in the show notes. So go ahead and uh, you know reach out to her if you have any questions. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all of your knowledge. Absolutely. I hope everybody has a great holiday. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to specially recovery-focused events 
and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us.